Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Barra. Enjoying me is Brian and Tyler. Again. Again. Let's go. It's almost like we just recorded. We're, we're just, we, we were just here recording. Yeah. Or something like that. It's not like we're all doing this on the same day. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, all right. So Herbert Clark Hoover, who we are talking about today, was born in West Branch, Iowa on August 10th, 1874 making him the first president ever born west of the Mississippi River. Wow. That's quite surprising. a distinction. Everyone would call him Bert, though. Bert? Bert Hoover. Is he the only one from Iowa? I think so. Don't hold me to that. I'm not good with presidential trivia. Parents were Jesse and Hulda. Jesse was a blacksmith and sold farm machinery. Herbert would also have a brother and a sister, and he was raised a Quaker. His family believed in a simple life, working hard and helping others. These are values that would stay with Herbert his whole life. When he was six, though, his father would die of a heart attack. Mm. He caught pneumonia and then got a heart attack. Not consumption. Not consumption. Yeah. We don't have any consumption in this one. Oh, man. Uh, his we mother, had a good streak going. We did. He would then become a seamstress and a minister, or his mom would become a seamstress and a minister in order to help the family make ends meet. But when he was nine, his mother would die. So he'd be raised by relatives. What did she die of? I am not sure on that, but it was not consumption. Dang I do know that much. Uh, what, uh, in 1885, he moves to Newburgh, Oregon, where he would attend a Quaker school called Friends Pacific Academy. And he's going to live with his uncle, who's a doctor. Three years later, he then moves to Salem, Oregon, with his uncle, who had started a real estate business. Herbert worked as an office clerk while going to school at night, taking classes in business. In 1891, he would move to California, where he would attend the newly formed Stanford University in order to become an engineer. But he would study geology, manage a laundry business, deliver newspapers, and work for the university. In the summer, he would get a summer job as an assistant geologist for the U.S. government. Uh, while at Stanford, he would also become the junior class treasurer and manager for their baseball and football teams. That's, wow. Wow. That's, That's a lot. Yeah, he's, a, he's an active guy. During his senior year, he meets his wife, Lou Henry, who was a fellow geology student. They had a lot in common and quickly fell in love. In 1895, he graduates with the first class in Stanford, and he will take a job in a California gold mine. So what type of job do you think a college graduate would get? Mining. He would push a mining car mm. and shovel ore. Wow. Putting that degree to use. He went to Stanford and then. Yes. I mean, it was geology, so mm. he's kind of working with rocks. <laughs> he worked long hours and made little money, but he would gain a lot of experience. In 1896, he takes a job with a mining engineer whose name was Louis Jannon. Uh, at first, he was hired to be a typist, but soon he would be sent to manage other mining operations. Uh, eventually, Janin helped Herbert get a job with Bewick, Morning, and the Company of London, which was a big like mining conglomerate out of England. Uh, they would send him to Australia, where he would teach them how to mine. Wasn't I mean, Australia like the penal colony where they had all the prisoners? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There he discovered gold. 
and make a great deal of money for the company. Nice. And he got a little kickback himself. Uh, in 1898, he was offered a job in China, which he accepted. This is when he would propose to Lou. The two were married in California on February 10th, 1899. That day, they get on a boat and head to China. Wow, just like... Big turnaround. Get married, same day, go to China. In China, he worked as the chief engineer for the Chinese Imperial Bureau of Mines. Not mines, mines. What a name. It'd be funnier if he worked for the Chinese Imperial Bureau of Mimes, but it's mines. Uh, yes. Well. Uh, he helped Chinese government find many coal fields and minerals. But in 1900, he'd find himself caught up in the middle of the Boxer Rebellion. Which, if you don't know what the Boxer Rebellion is, basically it was a bunch of, what, monks? Was it yeah. Kung Fu monks? It is was, that right? It was like, I think it was traditionalists going against the... Westernists? Yeah. But they were Kung Fu experts, so the English called them boxers. Is that... I, from what I learned in AP World, yeah, Yeah. I think so. And they, yeah. Is there there an episode on that? There's not. No. You drop us in. Maybe. Checkmark. Go listen to our future episode on that. Uh, For almost a month, his settlement came under attack. And during this time, he would engineer the construction of defenses of the settlement. Eventually, foreign intervention would stop the rebellion. I believe it was a coalition of 11 countries sent troops in to stop the Boxer Rebellion. um, And the Hoovers could go back to living a quieter life. The following year, he became a partner with Bedwick Mooring and Company. Um, on August 4th, 1903, he became a father for the first time and had a son whose name was Herbert Jr. Not Bert Jr., Herbert. All right, five weeks later, family would set out on a world journey as Hoover went around the globe looking for new business for his firm. 1908, now with two young kids, they settle in London. He was now a very wealthy man and started his own engineering company. He worked almost as a consultant. Uh, telling companies how to start mining operations and how to manage their money. He would soon, though, become bored and be like, hey, I want to get in the life of public service. Why would, like, if you're bored, then, oh, because it's like politics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. It I wasn't necessarily even politics at first. It was just like kind of to help people. Huh. Yeah. So as World War I began in Europe, the Hoovers were still living in London. Thousands of Americans were trapped in England. So he's going to organize a relief committee to help those Americans get home safely. Later that year, he formed another committee. Um, and it is to help uh, relieve hunger in Belgium. Okay, If you don't know about World War I, the Germans had taken over Belgium. So the English had blockaded Belgium. So famine was going on in Belgium. All right. So he would raise enough money to feed 9 million people in the country. Wow. Nice. Good for him. That's, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. Um, in 1917, he would enter, uh, as the U.S. enters the war, Hoover would be made the U.S. Food Administrator by Woodrow Wilson. All right. So as the United States was sending a couple million people over to Europe, we had to figure out how to feed those people. So that would be Herbert Hoover's job. He would ask Americans to ration their goods at home. He did good with that. He did. Yeah, he was was good at managing food. Um, After World War I, many people were left homeless and hungry in Europe. It is predicted that almost 10 million people died as a result of hunger. So Hoover would direct the American Relief Administration in 1919 and help feed 300 million people in 21 different countries. Wow. He's he's pretty good at distributing food. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, his post-war efforts are going to make him extremely famous. Using the, the fame, Hoover would seek the Republican nomination for president in 1920. However, the Republicans would choose Warren G. Harding instead. Go back and listen to our episode on Warren G. Harding if you want to know more about him, who and is often considered the worst president yeah. ever. Yeah. Corruption. His wife. Teapot Dome. Yeah, all sorts of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's multiple affairs that he was having. Yeah. Yeah, not, not a, yeah. Anyway. Hoover instead would be named Secretary of Commerce. In this role, uh, he is going to star in the first television broadcast in American history in 1927. He would say, today we have, in a sense, the transmission of sight for the first time in world's history. Wow, that's a, like a for like the first time mm -hmm. ever. That's a really profound quote. Like, I think I you think he like thought about it for a few days like how his like how like groundbreaking that was yeah i'm not sure i don't know because like if he came up with that on the spot that's amazing but that's, i feel like that's too good to come up with on the spot the uh the broadcast only went 200 miles ah that, but but still that's deep yeah that should be talked about more <laughs> history of tv uh, he'd keep that job for almost eight years, working both under Harding and Coolidge. Coolidge takes over after Harding dies. He takes naps. Coolidge does? Yeah. Hustle likes fishing. Uh, in this position, Hoover would accomplish several things. He wrote the Highway Safety Code, because I guess too many cars were flying off it because they were made out of gravel. Uh, he improved airline safety, which I'm <laughs> guessing wasn't very safe back then. Who's flying at this point? Yeah, uh, the like very, the very rich people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he also encouraged industry to standardize their products, which he said would lower the cost of goods and create more jobs. He would plan irrigation and power plant developments along the Colorado River. Uh, these ideas would eventually lead to the construction of the Hoover Dam, bearing his name. Is that why? Okay, that's why it's named that. Yeah. I, mean, um, I always wonder, like, why is it called Hoover Dam? Like, but because apparently they made an agreement. The, all the states along the Colorado River yesterday made an agreement to fix it. <laughs> Has it been broken? Uh, they've been taking too much water out of it. Mm. And they've kind of made an agreement to get some of that water back in. All right. Yeah. Because way too many. There's more people living there in that area than nature intended. Mm. So, it, yeah. Like, I mean, think like Vegas. Literally in the middle of the desert. Like nobody should be living yeah, there. Yeah. But Naturally a speaking, of, a lot of people. Can. A lot of people are living there because they could get water from the Colorado River. Yeah. 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 Or like Phoenix or any of those places. Yeah. All right. Even LA. Yeah. It's like a desert. It's technically a desert. Yeah. Or at like, least it has been. Nine million people naturally should not be living there. Yeah. That's Environmental possibilism at its finest. That's why there's been a drought there for as long as I can remember. Apparently, the, it's it's been fixed, the drought, because they got just dumped on this winter yeah, with no. rain and snow. Like when, like the year before I moved away, El Nino happened, and like there was a ton of rain, and then I moved away, and then like the, there was just a lot more rain. So, yeah, <laughs> just, like I guess it's just been raining a ton there. Which is good, except not really because flash floods. Yeah, I don't want those. Yeah. Yeah. 
1923, Hubert establish, establishes and becomes president of the American Child Health Association. This was an organization that improved hospitals and helped sick children in need. He also served as the president of Better Homes in America. The organization uh, worked on lowering the cost of new housing so more Americans could afford them. In 1927, the Mississippi River is going to flood and impact more than 600,000 people. He will quickly organize a flood relief program. The program would help feed, clothe, and house many of the flood victims. All of these accomplishments would make Hoover a very popular man in the Republican Party. And in 1928, he would earn the party's nomination to become president. Charles Curtis would be his running mate. And he is easily going to defeat Alfred Smith in the 1928 election. He gains 58% of the popular vote and 444 electoral votes. That, that's a pretty good win. That's a drubbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, I mean, Hoover would take office on March 4th, 1929. Um, at this time, the U.S. economy was booming. That was going to be very short-lived, though. Uh, Hoover wanted every American to share the wealth and create a nation built of homeowners and farm owners. To help Americans, Hoover created many new organizations. The Federal Farm Board aided struggling farmers. The Veterans Administration cared for military veterans. He'd create the Federal Bureau of Prisons to basically make prisons better, because I guess they were pretty horrible. Uh, he would also push for Congress to create the Department of Education. He proposed tax cuts on the poor. He would reorganize the Bureau of Indian Affairs to better protect the rights of Native Americans. He proposed a series of dams in both Tennessee and California, which I believe would become the basis of the TVA. He'd also establish parks like Great Smoky Mountain, Mammoth Caves, and the Everglades. He'd also expand many of the other national parks that were around as well. This guy did a lot of good stuff. He did, unfortunately. He's very much a humanitarian. His presidency is going to uh, be absolutely destroyed by the Great Depression. Yeah. So, once again, he takes office in March 4th, 1929. Economy was booming. Well, Give it like October of that year, months. it is no longer booming. Um, as the economy grew, more and more people tried to strike it rich. In the stock market, people began to borrow money to buy expensive stocks. Um Hoover knew this was dangerous for the country and asked Congress to pass tougher banking laws. This request was denied. Uh, the banks would keep on lending more and more uh, money, and Americans would go farther and farther into debt. Well, eventually, on October 29, 1929, the stock market crashes. All those people that had bought stocks on basically by borrowing money couldn't pay back their, their loans. So banks ran out of money, and the banks started to collapse. And this is what starts the Great Depression. And it basically creates this cycle where now, since the banks collapsed, people lost their life savings, so they couldn't buy anything. So factories had to shut down and lay off people because they no longer needed to make things. So people became unemployed, so they didn't have money and stopped buying things. And it just became this revolving door of bad. Trickle-down effect. Kind of, yeah. It was just, yeah. Um. Hoover is going to ask business leaders not to fire people or cut their wages, but that doesn't work. He is also going to ask for states to create public work projects. Um, Hoover is going to be very hands off on the early days of the Great Depression. Um, he believes that it's the role of local governments to kind of help people and fix it. Um, also, he, he, he was a big like laissez-faire capitalist. Like it will correct itself. We don't we don't have to do anything. 
Um, so by the time he starts actually getting the federal government involved, it's, it's, it's too late for him. Uh, by 1931, more than 11 million Americans were out of work. I think it's like 16 to 17% of the population. Uh, more were working at lower wages and banks continued to close. All right. Um, eventually, though, he is going to do some things to try to help out. He's going to ask Congress to pass the Reconstruction Finance Corporation or establish it. Uh, this would be the government giving money to large businesses and banks to prevent them from collapsing. In turn, Hoover helped this would create more jobs. Uh, he also asked Congress to approve public work projects. This included 800 public buildings and over 37,000 miles of highways. Probably when uh, Route 66 was paved. Go listen to our episode on that last week. Uh, he'd also get the Glass-Steel Act of 1932 rolling. Um, it's it's passed once he's out of office, but he gets the ball mullet rolling the on that. Um, big thing is it creates the FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which basically means if you have money in a bank, you're insured for a chunk of it. Um, can't lose your money. These programs, however, failed to produce results and the likelihood of Hoover being reelected. The probability, though, became nil after the Bonus Army incident. Oh. All right. So thousands of World War I veterans and their families demonstrated and camped out in D.C. during June of 1932, calling for the immediate payment of bonuses that had been promised by the World War Adjustment Compensation Act in 1924. But the act basically said you'll get bonuses in 1945. And they're like, well, we need those bonuses now. Like we served, we need those bonuses now. And they created a Hooverville out on the National Mall and they were there protesting. If you don't know what a Hooverville is, they were basically little shanty communities that were named after Herbert Hoover. Um, although offered money by Congress to return home, some members of the bonus army remained. Washington police attempted to disperse the demonstrators, but they were outnumbered and unsuccessful. Uh, shots were fired by the police in a futile attempt to attain order, and two protesters were killed while many officers were injured. Hoover is going to send in the U.S. Army, led by Douglas MacArthur, to basically get rid of the protesters because he believed he was fighting a communist revolution. MacArthur is going to use excessive force to basically get rid of the protesters. He gassed World War One better. Yes, I think he brought in tanks. I think Patton's even involved. Let's go listen back to our Patton episode. I think there's an instance where this guy that like saved Patton during World War One, Patton like sees him as part of this bonus army and like has to deal with that. Um, so though Hoover had not ordered MacArthur's clearing out of the protesters, he endorsed it after the fact. The incident proved embarrassing for the Hoover administration, and once again, there's no chance of him getting reelected. So in 32, he runs for re-election, but it gets just destroyed by FDR in a landslide. Wasn't Hoover also like a prohibitionist also? Um, he's like a pseudo-prohibitionist. He's like, the laws are on the books, so we must obey the laws. But I think he started to push for the um, repealing All right. the amendment. Uh, after leaving the White House in March of 33, Hoover's retiring two homes, one in Palo Alto, which is where Stanford is, and one at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. 
he is going to remain busy. In 1936, he serves as the chairman of the Boys Club of America, which was designed to give homeless boys a safe place to go. He will create 500 clubs around the country. After World War II erupted, he headed the Polish Relief Commission and helped distribute thousands of pounds of food to Polish orphans during the war. Um, after the war, Truman would ask Hoover to lead the Famine Emergency Committee, where he would help feed millions in Europe. From 47 to 53, he's going to become the chair of what would become known as the Hoover Commissions, and he suggests the ways to cut wasteful spending in the government. So even though, like, like he lost the 32 election, he must be still relatively admired within Washington because all these people on both sides of the aisle keep on asking him to like head up committees, help and things like that. Um, he'd spend his later days writing, giving speeches and advising American presidents. On October 20th, 1964, though, Hoover would die and he will be buried right next to his childhood home in West Branch, Iowa. So that is the life of one Herbert Burt Hoover. Great guy with some great ideas. Just bad timing. Yeah. 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 His his initial reaction wasn't great either. It's like Jimmy Carter 2.0. Like does great humanitarian stuff. And yes, technically Jimmy Carter is Hoover 2.0. Yes. Yeah. 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 But the presidency doesn't really work out that well. Nope. Like, yeah, he, he gets blamed for the Great Depression and the whole bonus army thing. It's just yeah. like the nail in the coffin. And there's he done. He done after that. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.